You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The UK government's denial of a cyber incident at Sellafield... There's been a surge in Iranian cyber attacks on U.S. infrastructure. Misuse of Apple's lockdown mode, the mysterious Aeroblades activities in aerospace, a clever Disney Plus scam, plus the latest application security trends. In our Industry Voices segment, we welcome Matt Radelek, Vice President of Incident Response and Cloud Operations at Veronis, explaining the intersection of AI, cloud, and insider threats and insights on resilience from the UK's deputy PM. It's December 5th, 2023. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is your CyberWire Intel Briefing. The Guardian reported a cyber attack yesterday on the British nuclear facility at Sellafield, allegedly perpetrated by foreign threat actors linked to China and Russia. The attack reportedly involved sleeper malware, potentially dating back to 2015, and was disclosed in a report by the Office for Nuclear Regulation, the ONR, which noted security shortfalls at the facility, primarily engaged in nuclear waste storage and processing. Sellafield Limited, the facility's operator, and the HM government have strongly denied these claims. Sellafield stated that there is no record of evidence of such an attack and has challenged the Guardian to provide evidence for their allegations. The ONR supported this denial, confirming the absence of evidence for the reported hack. Nonetheless, the ONR did acknowledge ongoing security investigations at Sellafield, and noted that the facility is not meeting certain required cybersecurity standards, resulting in increased regulatory attention. In response to these reports, the Labour opposition has sought clarification from the government's ministers regarding the Guardian's claims. This development has sparked concerns and prompted political inquiry into the matter, highlighting the critical nature of cybersecurity in sensitive national infrastructure. Since the Cyber Avengers, linked to Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, claimed attacks on a water utility and a brewery in western Pennsylvania, citing their use of Israeli-made Unitronics PLCs, 
three other Iranian-affiliated groups have followed suit. Hagoyan, Cyber Tufan Group, and Yare Gomnam team have also claimed similar attacks against users of Israeli equipment, as reported by the Register. In a separate incident, the record notes that Florida's St. John's River Water Management District experienced an unspecified cyber attack, potentially ransomware, by an unknown or undisclosed threat actor. The district has managed to implement successful containment measures after detecting suspicious activity in its IT environment. BlackBerry researchers have discovered a new threat actor named Aeroblade, targeting the U.S. aerospace sector through a spearfishing campaign. Aeroblade, which emerged late last year, focuses on commercial and competitive cyber espionage. The group's activities extend beyond mere information collection. BlackBerry's report suggests that Aeroblade's primary objective might be to assess the internal resources and vulnerabilities of its targets, potentially setting the stage for future ransom demands. This indicates a strategic approach to cyber espionage, where initial data gathering could lead to more aggressive financial extortion tactics. JAMF has identified a post-exploitation technique where attackers can deceive users by making an already compromised iOS device appear to be in lockdown mode, creating a false sense of security. The researchers emphasize that while lockdown mode reduces the attack surface on iOS devices, it does not function as antivirus software. It cannot detect existing infections nor prevent malware from operating on a compromised device. So, its effectiveness is limited to protecting attacks before they occur by reducing potential entry points for attackers. This research highlights the importance of understanding lockdown mode's capabilities and limitations, underlining that it cannot mitigate threats on already compromised devices. Abnormal Security has reported a phishing campaign using a Disney Plus theme. The campaign sends emails with PDFs resembling invoices using the recipient's real name and falsely claiming they will be charged $49 for the next month's subscription, significantly higher than the actual cost. The PDFs include a phone number for canceling the subscription. Upon calling, victims may face two risks— they could be asked for sensitive information like banking details or login credentials, which attackers can use for fraudulent transactions or account compromises. Or they might be instructed to download software purportedly to stop the charge, but the software actually infects their computer with malware. This campaign highlights the need for vigilance against phishing attempts that use familiar brands and seemingly legitimate documentation to exploit users. Synopsis, in its latest Building Security and Maturity Model Report, highlights a significant trend in software security, the increased focus on automation within the software development lifecycle. Modern tool chains are enabling organizations to integrate security testing and touch points throughout the SDLC, not just at the initial stages, the shifting left, but rather adopting a shift-everywhere approach. This trend is characterized by the automation of security tasks, making them more accessible and efficient. For instance, security testing in the QA stage can now be automated, similar to static application security testing scans conducted earlier in the development process. This allows for scripted actions in response to the outcomes of automated security tests, enhancing the efficiency and effectiveness of security measures. 
Furthermore, firms are increasingly utilizing automation to gather and leverage intelligence from sensors across the SDLC. This proactive approach helps in preventing vulnerabilities before they pose significant challenges to developers, thereby strengthening software security. Coming up after the break in our Industry Voices segment, we welcome Matt Radelek, Vice President of Incident Response and Cloud Operations at Veronis. He's explaining the intersection of AI, cloud, and insider threats. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. In today's sponsored Industry Voices segment, my conversation with Matt Radelek, Vice President of Incident Response and Cloud Operations at Veronis. Our conversation centers on the intersection of AI, cloud, and insider threats. To start thinking about like the insider threat, you've got different categories, right? You have on one end of the spectrum your malicious insider. This is your, you know, Edward Snowden and the like. They have a clear motivation for doing whatever things they're going to do, um, and they're going to to carry them out at you know with high impact. Uh, then you have your you know um, you have your your more uh, lesser severity insiders, like your you know it, your your person who's knowingly violating a policy, or the person who's not uh, knowingly violating a policy. That that end user that makes a mistake. And I think when when we look at AI, right? AI is it, it's a at least generative AI, it's enabling our workforce to access and 
amass information at a higher productivity rate, as in faster and potentially of greater efficacy than they did before. So it's going to take these three different scenarios and you're going to give a tool to, to people to make them that much worse. Like, so if we go through those three different insiders again, right, you've got your, your malicious insider. Now, instead of needing, uh, and we'll use the Snowden example, instead of needing administrative privileges and the ability to walk in and out of classified rooms with storage drives, you can just chat up your friendly AI bot and ask it to search and amass all this really interesting data for you. So it makes their job easier in terms of getting the data and potentially getting it out. And then I think the, where, where accidents happen, and, and I'm not sure, Dave, if you use Microsoft 365, but I'm sure many of our listeners do, it's, mm. it's, it's built, you know, Teams and the like, it's built to be so incredibly easy to collaborate, to share. You know, you can't really realize the value of data unless you can share it with someone. And so uh, Copilot, is, which is Microsoft's generative AI, it is going to leverage all the data that a person has access to when it returns results. So that means that you'll be able to query and, and search a lot a large data set, create a new file and share that new file with someone at a speed that I don't think people could keep up with. Uh, and so it's going to make all these these little mistakes a lot more apparent or a lot, well, we talk about uh, a lot of Veronis as, as what we call the blast radius or or kind of how bad is it um, it's going to make the average thing worse because people are going to get access to and be able to generate data off of a larger data set than they realized they had before. So where's the balance here between the, the utility of these tools, which I think a lot of people uh, think is legit, um, versus limiting what they have access to? You know, for a lot of organizations, they either think that they've already done that or they don't realize um, just how much someone has access to. So I think the reality is, is that you, you have to figure that out. You have to determine for your own organization, do we have an open access issue? Do we need to try to work on that a little bit before we go to full speed with AI? Or is our data fairly locked down? Either way, we'd benefit from trying to figure that out. And are we in a pretty good place in order to enable our workforce to use AI? Because I don't think going against it or not using it is the answer. It's such an innovation. It's just a huge innovation for mankind that even me as a person who sits at the front of, you know, organizations that are having crisis, right? They're, they're having an incident, they're having a breach and they need help. I can't look at AI and say, don't do this because of the productivity gains and the innovation that it's going to afford us. So instead, I want to look to organizations, use all my knowledge, skills, and experience and encourage them to do this, but to think about that critical question, are we giving people this ability to access and exfiltrate data at a much higher velocity than we did before? Is our blast radius too big? Should we get a handle on that before we go full speed with generative AI on these large data sets? That, that's really the, the point I'd want to challenge organizations on. Is it fair to say that there's a good bit of crossover between uh, insider threat and shadow IT, you know, where a lot of this could be a, a cultural issue where people are just trying to get their work done and they feel as though uh, there's some friction being put in place by the team who's trying to manage security? Absolutely. I think that's really well stated. I always think about it in the terms of 
balancing you know productivity or usability with security that is the 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 nature of any security team and the the ebb and flow that happens over the life cycle of a security practitioner's career to an extent we we got to have security and security needs to be there but we can't have things be so secure that they're not usable and so that this tension i think it only gets multiplied when we think of AI, because an organization that has these policies in place but never enforced them might not have thought that it was going to be that easy for employees to violate those policies. Well, now it's it's definitely gotten easier. Like objectively, it's going to be easier for people that don't have policies to do whatever they want and people that do have policies to likely be able to violate those policies if the organization hasn't mapped their security controls to be just as smart and just as powerful as their AI-enabled workforce now is. I, I really like that point you made, which is, which is like, does that does it change the insider threat? Well, I, I personally predict it, it makes those two um, non-malicious insider threats. It makes them a lot more likely because you know malicious insider. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what technology stack you put in front of them; they're going to try to carry out their mission. They have motivation that surpasses means. Right? They're going to try to find the means to carry out the mission that they have. But these, these accidental insiders, these people that are going to, you know, don't know that they're creating a new spreadsheet with lots and lots of personal data in it, don't realize when they go to share it with their group of coworkers that they also added their personal Gmail account on it and don't realize that that personal Gmail account is tied to a another app that scrapes the emails and, and ingests them for searching. And, and now there's a copy of that data that exists in a way that isn't as protected as it's supposed to be. And I think these are the real challenges that are going to come from um, this AI-enabled workforce that we're all, you know, at the forefront of where, you know, people are going to be creating and storing really sensitive content in places that aren't as protected as they should be to house that data. And I think we'll see more of these, I call them more routine breaches. These are the accidental breaches, the, the, the you know, mishandling of information. I predict we'll see more of that, not less of that with an AI-enabled workforce. Hmm. And so what are your recommendations then? I mean, how should organizations come at this? Yeah, I, this concept, and I, I've said it a couple of times, and I'll, I'll probably say it again, Dave, is that this concept of a blast radius, right? If you pick up a, a person from their computer, from their chair, I always like to say, and you try to figure out how much do they have access to, how much data, how many systems, you know, how much of your, of your crown jewels can this person get to from their day one of employment, what we find is that you know, somewhere between 25 and 50% of that data is too much. So if you're one of those organizations where when you go and you do that exercise, you realize that the access is too vast, you need to go through an exercise, you know, just on some of the basics of security. You need to do some of that, that least privilege. You need to use a lot of automation in order to get there. You need to limit what people can have access to. And there are a lot of ways that you can do that to like a high degree of automation and a high amount of effectiveness without taking your environment from, you know, what you think it is today to like a, you know, government grade or Fort Knox grade security where everything's locked down and you need multiple layers of access to get through it. Sometimes just getting access control right uh, is a really strong security control. So just limiting what the basics, like, you know, kind of getting rid of data that's open to every employee or data that's shared with everyone in the company, you know, kind of limiting those pockets can have a lot of effect and a lot of success in trying to protect that data when you're trying to scale out a program uh, where people end up ultimately getting access to more data with something like generative AI. 
Our thanks to Matt Radelek, Vice President of Incident Response and Cloud Operations at Veronis, for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And finally, in the UK's Deputy Prime Minister's annual resilience statement to Parliament, a significant emphasis was placed on the importance of resilience, especially in the context of cybersecurity. The statement highlighted the necessity for people to be prepared to revert to analog technologies in the case of a cyber attack that disrupts critical infrastructure like the power grid and communication systems. As reported by The Telegraph, the Deputy Prime Minister advised citizens to consider the essentials stored under their stairs, suggesting that items such as battery-operated radio, candles, and a torch flashlight, are fundamental. For the Atlantic's Western cousins, this list might extend to a bug-out bag, canned goods, bottled water, gold coins, perhaps a feisty dog for added security. So, it seems in the digital age, it's still wise to keep one foot in the analog world, just in case you need to tune in, light up, and bug out. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. 
Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Cyberwire. 